Hello lovers, go to entamopleasurables.com for your slippery needs and get 20% off with the WILD20 promo code. You'll thank me later. Running wild with Christine, sex, success, and other slippery rabbit holes. Welcome to episode 105 with Andrea Scotto. Hi, Andrea. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, You've been put in touch with me through Casey from, oh my God, she does so many things. What should we plug for her? The Pleasure Parlor. um, Sex educator. Yeah. I don't know. She, like you said, she wears so many hats, but definitely someone who is so knowledgeable about sex and is definitely helping everyone out there have a better sex life. So she's lovely. So thanks, Casey. Um, I will put in the description the episode that she was in. So Andrea, tell me a little bit more about you. You are a therapist. Yeah. Um, so I am a, what is called an, a marriage and family therapist. Um, for right now I'm a candidate, which means that, um, I'm still working on my license. Um, so I'm, I'm working under the supervision of a licensed therapist, but I have been seeing clients for a while now because you see them at school and then afterwards you see them for two years before you have your license. So this is where I am right now. Um, as far as my career. Cool. And you're based in Denver, Denver, Colorado. That's right. Yes. So I went to school in Utah and moved to Colorado not long ago. And now I live in Denver um, and I work for a a private practice that is in Commerce City in Colorado, uh, even though I've never actually been to the office because we've only been doing telehealth. Uh, But yeah, this is where I'm based. And do you like it so far? I love Colorado. Yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful out here. Um, I, I think like I've moved so much that I really try to find beauty in everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Colorado has been sort of a special place because um, so my husband and I came here on vacation in 2015 for the first time. Yeah, uh, which is we were doing some hiking at the Ro- uh, Rocky Mountains and, and all of that. And we spent a couple of days in Denver. And as we were walking through the city, we were like, no, this is a place we could definitely see ourselves living in. And it was one of those conversations where we're like, yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, we lived in New Orleans at the time. We're like, yeah, you know, this would be a cool place. And then out of nowhere, five years later, his job gets transferred to Denver. We didn't even seek it out. It just kind of happened. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it was a really weird like we had a weird connection to the city from the beginning. So I feel really lucky to be here and I really like it. That's so. awesome. And um, you did, you grew up in Brazil though. I did. Yeah. So I am from Brasilia, which is a city that, you know, not a lot of people think of when they think Brazil. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely adore my city. I also have a really weird connection to it. Uh, there's something about it. I don't know if it's like, that kind of like nostalgia of like, Mm -hmm. this is where I grew up. But when I see, you know, pictures of it, I actually have a map of it hanging like right here. (laughs) Uh, When I see pictures of it or anything that reminds me of it, it just gives me that like warm, Warm fuzzy fuzzy. feeling. Yeah. Yeah, And so I'm I'm really, really connected to that city as um, my home where, you know, I do have family everywhere. My friends are kind of spread out. But it's definitely still home for me. Mm. What was your childhood like? Um, it was pretty great, actually. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, we all have our little things that happen. But uh, in general, I feel like I had a really good childhood. My parents, um, you know, they were married until I was about 17. Then they got divorced. But uh, beforehand, um, I, I was just always surrounded by family I loved my school. I had a ton of friends. So it was just one of those like really good childhoods. And now that I look back, I kind of feel like I definitely was a, a lot, very sheltered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was one of those things like after I moved to the US and I went to college and everything, I realized how sheltered I was growing up, but in a good way almost like to where I feel like I really had a really safe haven at home and very secure attachment figures and... Yeah, my parents are wonderful people. I have amazing people in my family. And 
it was just like I look at it as like just with very fond mm-hmm. memories and, and what's so. what's high school like in Brazil is it sort of like because I have a very different picture of high school in Europe than we have of like American high schools and like yeah. what's high school the world like in Brazil Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely think it's it's different than the American experience that we we see in movies. Um I think it's a little less clicky than yeah. than what we see here. Um and I don't want to speak for anyone else, okay? So, you know, just my experience in high school because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, "Oh, I hated high school." <laughs> yeah. Uh but no, I honestly so I went to a Catholic high school, but it was a uh, boys and girls mix. Mhm. And my high school again was just I felt so safe there and it felt it's so much like home that I've even gone back to visit when I've been back to Brazil like I've been back to visit to see some of my old teachers and everything and I made my best friends in my life in in that school that's awesome um yeah so I just it, You know, my experience was really good. I know that it's not like that for everyone, but I think one of the biggest differences that I see is that it's a little less clicky and people tend to be a little bit more um accepting and reach out a little bit more. And interestingly, interestingly enough, even though it was at Catholic high school, I don't remember it being super religious. I mean, it yeah. was, but it wasn't like we weren't like praying after before class every day. It wasn't like that. Yeah. It was definitely an environment where yes, we learned like we learned all the the scientific stuff. Uh they weren't teaching us that, you know, God created the world and then that was it. Like we definitely learned evolution and all that kind of stuff. It was a very it was a very strong academic school. Um so we we definitely learned everything um that there was to learn, but they also I remember now that I think about it it was very progressive for a Catholic school. Uh we had this class where we talked about ethics and we talked about relationships and we even had some sort of like sex ed where they they taught us how to put condoms and yeah. stuff like that you know that you don't think that it would be the case for a catholic school mm-hmm. but so yeah my high school experience was pretty great That's I don't awesome. have any like <laughs> no drama <stars>. experiences <laughs> yeah sorry i wish i wish it wasn't that boring but it was pretty great <laughs> no i mean boring is good especially when it comes to high school i'm sure a lot of people are like oh i wish <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. what made you go and study abroad what was the uh impetus there hmm um i think i've always had a little bit of um a curiosity about what's out there mhm And for whatever reason I think it's at the time so we have to realize you know I'm talking about like 2004 2005 when the world was a lot smaller than it is now. Yeah. I never thought about when I went when I thought about going abroad I never thought about like what about Asia? What about Europe? What about Africa? It was like the US. Yeah. Because that's just where you go. Like that's you know. Yeah. And um I have um I had an uncle I have an uncle who at the time was a professor uh in New Orleans and he kind of suggested it actually came from him because even though that's something I've always wanted to do it wasn't something that I thought was possible yeah uh because again I was very sheltered so my dad's like hell no you're not going abroad anywhere right and so uh because of that family connection my uncle was like why don't you come spend um a little bit of time here with me and then you can you know we can see how it goes and at the time i was going to school in brazil i was already um i had already done two semesters of university in brazil i was a journalism major uh <laughs> yeah so nothing to do with what i do now but i had done two semesters and then my school went on on a strike which in brazil is like when you go to like a one of one of the federal universities uh sometimes there there are strikes yeah and so that happened and when that happens sometimes you stop for several months there's no telling when it's coming back yeah. um so so then i figured well this is a good opportunity for me to um, go and check it out for me to check it out and also in my personal life at the time um uh i was dating someone <laughs> who um i was absolutely crazy head over heels in love with and he was going abroad as well somewhere else completely different yeah, 
but I felt I was really heartbroken and uh, didn't, I, I was feeling really lost. And so I thought there was a really good time to kind of leave the nest and go yeah. explore. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up being here. Nice. And so you, you did your undergrad in New Orleans or, or in Louisiana? Yeah, yeah. So I, I moved with the intent of doing six months in the U.S. and going back home. But I just got so absorbed with the culture and just like really liked my school. And then I just decided like, oh, I'm going to extend six more months and then six more months. And then it just turned into I graduated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my dad, to this day, he still says, I can't believe that you told me you were leaving for six months <laughs> and you just never came back. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you go from journalism to counseling? Ah, uh, that was a really long road. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so at first I, um, after I finished my communication degree, it was right in 2008 mm -hmm. when I graduated. Um, so just a little bit of context to what was happening at the time, there were no jobs. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Um, and communications, as you know, it's, it's a super com competitive field where like, a lot of times you have to have contacts and all kinds of stuff. And so at the time I was feeling like I, d I don't think I can get a job uh, right away out of school. And actually there's something that I feel like it's important for me to talk about because I don't know if you've heard, but there's um, the Trump administration is trying to take away student visas yeah. for students who aren't like full time but in uh, because of yeah, because of COVID, if you're if you're not having class in person, there's no reason for you to be in the country. Right. And I feel really heartbroken about that because I was here on a student visa. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm in Canada thanks to a student visa. Like that yeah. is changing a lot of students' lives. It is. And I my heart was so, so, so tight when I heard about that because I was like, ah, oh, that would have shattered my world. Yeah. Absolutely shattered my world. And so... Um, I feel I feel for you guys out there who are going through this. It's just awful. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and so, that and the, it's so short-sighted. Like, I know a lot of people have been talking about this, but international students pay incredible amounts of fees. None of them are eligible. Uh, the vast majority of them are not eligible for any kind of financial help in the countries that they're right. in under that visa. So it's completely stupid to take those visas away because if any they're like what are the students taking away from you absolutely fucking nothing nothing it's just uh those students add so much talent and so much diversity to this country i don't understand either but i i remember what it was like to be on a student visa and be so stressed out about everything i don't know what it's like in canada but here is very, it's very strict yeah. You're not allowed to work off campus. There are a bunch of rules. And what happens when you graduate with a student visa is that you, I don't know if it has changed, but at the time you have 60 days, you're on an OPT. So it's like a training sort of thing. So you have 60 days to find a job in your field. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, I'm like, you know, I don't think I can do it. Right. Like it was, it was crazy. And so um, one of my professors actually um, reached out and said, I think you would be a really good, um, I think you, you would be a really good fit for our graduate program. So it was very interesting. I decided to go for it. I yeah. loved it. It was a great experience. I met some truly amazing people during graduate school who I still am friends with. And my professors, uh, I, I've always been, my, my husband says I'm a nerd because I always keep in touch with my professors. I'm the same. I literally, I thought of myself as like the teacher's nightmare because I was like in the first row being like, excuse me, a little correction. And now I have some of them who are like, no, 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 we love those students. We hate the students that are asleep in the back. Like, I know. And, I, like, and okay. I just feel like every time I talk about my professors, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I love them so much. <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, so... Uh, Right after that, I, again, was in that same position of like, got to find a job right away. And then I was like, now I'm looking for something that will sponsor a work visa. Yeah. So another kind of obstacle to stay in this country. And so I, because also my husband is French. 
Mm. So I couldn't get anything through marriage. Like yeah. we were both in the same position that we didn't. He he was also on a student visa. Yeah. Um. So we were both like, okay, what are we gonna do? And so right out of school, I found a job with a company that it had really nothing to do with what I went to school for, but they were willing to sponsor my work visa and they wanted me for my language skills. Nice. So that job that was supposed to be a little more temporary, you know, yeah. just until I figure things out, turned out that I stayed there for eight years. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it was did you do? Very, uh, what's that? What was your job? So my job at this company was I represented this bakery, this huge bakery um, brand. Yeah. And I worked with them in the US, in Canada, Brazil, and like all of South America and Central America. So I represented my brand for them. Which means that like whatever they needed from me, um, whatever they needed from our company, I was there to kind of be the 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 service person, right? So like Um, interesting, but in no way, shape, or form like your passion. Like totally, yeah. Entertaining, like lots of responsibility and stuff, but you're like, cool, how did I end up here? (laughs) Yeah, and it was very, you know, it was definitely very fast paced. There were there were a lot of things that I needed to learn. But again, you know, it was one of those things where the the company would give updates on their numbers and everything. And I just started noticing like I loved the people I worked with. So I really enjoyed my colleagues, but I started noticing with time that I really wasn't passionate about the work. Mm-hmm. And so during our company updates, when they were talking about like how amazing our numbers looked and like how great yeah. we were doing, everybody was so excited about it. And I was just kind of like, okay, right. well, that doesn't really... <laughs> like did I miss the Kool-Aid part like (laughs) yeah you know and everybody was so excited because we did we we did get bonuses based on company performance Mm -hmm. so I understand why people were excited but for me it was like I mean I like money as much as the next person okay I'm not you know I'm not saying money doesn't matter it does and it's nice but I started feeling like that it doesn't motivate me yeah it's not enough to make me want to get out of bed yeah and go work to make more money yeah it's just not something that really i know i was a headhunter for like three years and i love the people side of it obviously as you all know um but they were like you're gonna make this much commission if this person gets placed and blah blah and i was like i like cool great i saved a lot of money like right not shitting on it but also like meh. like I'm not gonna, this doesn't make me want to stay the extra half hour after work. Like I want to go home. Like it it doesn't matter. Like there's no, like, there's no like, oh, the time is whatever, you know? Right. So that's what it was like for me at work. Um, And uh, I started noticing an effect on my mental health. Mm. I mean, I was, I was very, I tend towards anxiety. Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely someone who plans a lot and thinks about the future. And so um, I noticed that I was getting more and more anxious and for no apparent reason, because I have a, I had a safe job, a safe home, everything was good, but I just felt a little bit panicky and a little bit like something wasn't right for me. Mm. And I spent a lot of time pondering, what am I going to do with my life? And that was such a stressful, um, such a stressful thought because, you know, I think I was like 26, 27 when I started thinking about that. And I started thinking like, I should know what I want to do. You know, I'm already like in my mid to late twenties. I should know what I want to do with my life. And I just didn't. Yeah. And that was a really distressing thought for me that I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because they tell you, you're already supposed to know when you finish high school. So you're like 10 years later and you're like, I am still clueless. (laughs) I know. And so, yeah. Um, and I felt like I kept making wrong decisions, you know, and, and I don't think that now, now I know they weren't wrong. They were just what I needed to do to get where I am. But at the time I was really stressed about that and, um, just really trying to figure it out. Um, and I didn't want to go back for another master's degree because that just seemed like a lot of schooling. Um, so I kept trying to think of things that I could do with my own degree. Yeah. And just nothing was, nothing seemed exciting to me. Yeah. So I started, um, I started just kind of 
noticing what I was spending my free time on. Yeah. You know, like, what do I do when I'm not at work? You know, and I started noticing, like, what are my interests? What are the things that when I'm scrolling through social media, what do I click on? Mm-hmm. You know, what, well, like, what kind of videos do I watch? At the time, uh, TED Talks were huge. Yeah. And I was watching tons of TED Talks. And I'm like, what are the TED Talks that I watch about? Mm-hmm. And it was always about relationships. Mm. It was always about people's minds and human behavior and relationships. And so I'm like, okay, I'm seeing a trend here, you know? And um, I had one of my coworkers uh, who told me, uh, she told me, Andrea, I think you would be a really good therapist. I, I really, and she said that a few times to me and I'm like, no, I don't know about that. It's a lot to sit there and listen to people's problems. And I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And she's like, nope, I'm pretty sure that this is what you're (laughs) supposed to be doing. Like you're, you would be really good at it. And I'm like, all right, well, but then, no, she kind of planted a seed. Yeah. Yeah. She planted a little seed and I started pondering more and more and more. Um, and then my husband and I moved from new Orleans to Pennsylvania for his job. And I kept my job and kept working from home. And during that time, I found myself having just a lot more time to reflect and thinking, think about what I want and, yeah. and all of that. And I wasn't in a position where I could make a move with my career because we were kind of temporarily placed in Pennsylvania yeah. and all of that. Um, but then I started getting really serious about looking into counseling programs and trying to decide, do I want to do social work? Do I want to do counseling? Do I want to do marriage and family therapy? Like, what do I want to do? And it just like, everything felt perfectly into place when we got moved to Utah for his job. And we were living in this small town in Northern Utah where there wasn't much, but there was a university. (laughs) Uh, So Utah State University was there. And I was like, oh, please let this university have the program that I want. And they had exactly the program that I wanted. So you were um, like, this, this is it. This is it. I was like, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to go back to school. And yes, it's going to be two more years and then two more, yeah. you know, so it's a total of four years of like kind of being a, a student. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I want to do this. I really want to do this. And I, I researched a ton about the differences between social work and counseling and therapy. And I really felt that where I belonged was marriage and family therapy because I do have such a relational lens on Mm -hmm. life. I I feel like individuals are very important, but we don't exist in a vacuum. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, in the episode, in the episode that came out just before this one, um, we talk a lot about this, about the fact that it's very liberal quote-unquote western capitalist mindset of like the individuality of the system and like only you matters only you have control only you blah 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 it's like "Mm, not really (laughs) yeah no i I, yeah i'm with you and I, i think that our relationships are so important to our quality of life and i absolutely fell in love with esther perel i don't know if you know her of but course she's, my the belgium star uh, yes she's my therapist she's my therapist crush i <laughs> i love her so much i think she's a genius and i fell in love with her with her podcasts and her books and i really like her outlook on relationships and so i started getting really really into that um, I applied for the program and I had to wait almost a year to find out whether or not I, I, I got in. Yeah. And, and so that, that whole process, um, I was really trying to do as much as I could on my own yeah. because I didn't come, I didn't come from a psychology background. So I was trying to like, you yeah, know, educate myself as much as possible because I knew I was going to be behind if I, if I got in. Yeah. And how was that? It, it was it was interesting. I I was accepted into the program. Like there was this really intense um, interviewing process where you know you apply and then months later they call you for an interview and you come in and it's like this group interview thing. Not in not um, imposing at all. <laughs> yeah, so I can't talk too much about the process because I'm sure I don't want to ruin it yeah. for the next students who are coming. But um, 
I met with uh, the, the faculty and I really liked the faculty. They, they were just so inviting and um, they, they made it really clear, okay, this is a very competitive program to get into, but if you do, this is what you can expect. And it was a really good experience for me. When I was accepted, it was like one of the best days of my life <laughs> because I knew like I knew that my life was about to change mm -hmm. and I knew that it was about to change forever. How do you uh, feel at the end of it? Like, obviously, you're still in your candidacy like that period. But like, how did you feel at the end of like classes? Because like that's like such a big jump always of just going like, well, that was theory <laughs> like now what yeah yeah it, it was definitely interesting i felt like um they the program prepared us really well good uh for that transition because we had fantastic supervisors and they really focused a lot it's a very clinical program mm -hmm. so they focused a lot on the clinical side of things and so we had all the theory absolutely but in the meantime we were also i graduated with almost 600 hours of therapy mm. so it was I, I did get a lot of experience in school yeah. and at the same time being able to, you know, um, my cohort was fantastic. My professors were fantastic. And we had PhD students who would come supervisors. It was such a good group experience that everybody was contributing to the conversation. Um, feel so like I felt you have like a the, network. Right. Right. So I felt like the transition um, wasn't as drastic as mm -hmm. I, I thought. But it was weird because obviously around somewhere around March, um, everything went online. Yeah. So I didn't get to see my people anymore. I mean, I just got to see them online, of course. But, you know, we weren't having that face to face interaction. And because my husband was already living in Denver, I, I, I stayed back in Utah for yeah. a whole year. We lived apart for a whole year. Uh, while I was finishing the program. And so when everything went online, I just thought it makes sense to move to Denver and stay with my husband. So I came over um, and finished my program here. here yeah. And so um, it was kind of anticlimactic, I guess, because, mm -hmm. you know, you were waiting for graduation and like, I really, you know, we're looking forward to that cohort picture and all of that kind of stuff that didn't happen. Um and but, do you feel like it's changed also like your actual hours, like your therapy sessions? Like obviously you're going from like speaking about regular quote unquote issues to like world is ending kind of shit. Ah, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, climatic and, in the celebration, but like very climatic in like the drastic part of like the meat of your work. Absolutely. And it was actually um I got so I got a job the week I graduated. Nice. So I didn't really have any time to, you know, kind of soak it in. I just kind of like started right away. And I filled up really fast, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah. But, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, I had to also keep my own. It, it was a lot because I was starting out. And even though I had had previous ther ther therapy experience, I was starting out with a private practice, doing telehealth, which was completely new for me. It's always yeah. been face-to-face. -face. And so now it was through the computer. And I had to like hold space for my own anxiety about there's a pandemic outside yeah. and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a wild ride so far. That must, I mean, I just like, uh, like resonating with your anxieties that you had prior to like you realizing this is what you wanted to do like this is the time where like especially I think in like marriage and family like shit is hitting the fan like the like the number of people stuck with their partners for the first time in however long or like all of that stuff is is like overwhelming at best little like for therapists themselves yeah. So one of my favorite questions to ask people is why now? Mm. Why therapy now? You know, if, if you've been struggling with this, because very few people come to therapy saying this thing just happened to me and I need help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's usually it's usually like, you know, I've been struggling with this for many years and here I am. Uh, so I like to ask people why now? Mm. And I think that a lot of couples um, are finally taking the time to think about their relationship and analyze what's happening at home because you know you have 
the job and the commute and the kids and the friends and the like every weekend you have something to do. So it's very easy to kind of get lost on that routine. Yeah. And never just, you know, you never really stop to think about, am I happy? Yeah. Is, Is this relationship like working out for me? Yeah. And so now I think a lot of people are having that realization now that they are forced to stop and think about things. They're like, ooh, maybe things aren't as good as I thought they were. Yeah, they, or they maybe were. they're finally good because we have time. Like, it could, it could be in the other way. It could go too. both ways, right? <laughs> Let's yeah. not be like co- complete downers. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's true. And I think that's a particularly sort of interesting thing also to consider like the political times that we're in as well like I think also suddenly you are having debates like even if your right along relationship was going really well maybe you weren't talking about ethics and social justice and like you know and now you are (laughs) yeah it absolutely that and the the whole COVID situation has also um, started a lot of conflict within couples where it's like maybe one of the partners is more concerned about the pandemic and is more careful and is washing their hands all the time and wearing face masks and the other person's like, eh. you know, so that creates a lot of tension because of course, within a couple, if one is sick, yeah, the other one will be sick too. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really interesting talking to couples about what their experience has been like. I think uh, parents are really stressed out with having to work from home and having their kids there at the same time. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I'm, I'm seeing right now is like, you know, our sex life is just not good. Yeah. Because now that we have all this time. That's when you know, we should be having all the sex. Right. Well, you think, you know, theoretically. Unquote, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really hard. It's been really hard to tease out what, what is actually like deep-rooted sexual issues within the relationship or emotional issues within the relationship uh, and what is actually pandemic anxiety. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're in a situation where you're having a lot of anxiety, your kind of primitive brain, you know, that part of your brain that is kind of telling you fight, flight, or freeze, if that part of your brain is activated, which is what's happening for all of us right now, your reproductive system just kind of takes a step back. It's not, it's not a priority for you right now. So there's, there is that for a lot of people that like on one hand, a small amount of people are very hyper-focused on sex as a way of escaping Mm -hmm. all the, the anxiety that's happening. And for another portion of people, I would say for a larger portion of people, people are like, I just don't even think about that anymore because I'm so freaking anxious all the time preach i mean i've i think i've talked about it on the podcast i might not have but like i'm one of those like a hundred percent and it's especially hard for my partner because i am tooting sex loud and proud everywhere on social media and that's part of my sort of like image which great like have all the sex but also if you don't want to have all the sex and if you don't feel like masturbating that's also a thing (laughs) that's also okay yeah absolutely and and that's i think that it depends so when uh, when people, because I, I have an Instagram account and then people sometimes message me, you know, like, oh, is it okay if I'm feeling this way? So I think the message is, it's okay if it's okay with you. Yeah. Right? So if you're if you're feeling really stressed out and you're like, why don't I feel like having sex anymore? Is there something wrong with me? I want to change that. Then yeah, let's work on that. And let's give you a bunch of things that you can do to kind of boost your sex drive and have more sex with your partner or whatever. But if, if you're okay with sitting with that discomfort for a little bit and, and say like, everything in life is cyclical. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're going to be very into it and sometimes you're not. Yeah. And if, if that's okay with you, then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, this is the thing, like, and then obviously you also don't exist in a vacuum. So like as much as I've personally been feeling fine with it, I know that's not my partner's experience of his life and his body and his anxiety. And so that's what we have to deal with. But like framing those conversations as not like my issue or his issue or like an issue in general 
is is super tough so i could understand how people are turning to like quote unquote professionals or like qualified people to guide them through this because like for much of us who are like in our 20s 30s and 40s like we've never really had this much time Mm-mm. no this is brand new we don't know what to do <laughs> yeah like the last time i remember sitting on my couch this much i was probably eight like there's, right you know, <laughs> watching cartoons yeah it was just like the beginning of the internet like and i had 10 minutes a day while waiting for seven minutes for it to connect like that's, that was basically it so um yeah i think it's it's I think we're, it's easy to underplay how much of a different time and space we're in. Yeah. And I also, I also think that this time that we're living in is really, is really special in a lot of different ways. And I'm not saying special in a good way, just different, unique. Uh, And so you can kind of make whatever, you can kind of make different things out of it. But one of the things that I think is happening is that you are, um, you are in that space where I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> that happens all the time. You have officially graduated from the podcast. This is normal. All right. uh, I'm trying to think where I was going with this. Okay, so I said that uh, it's, that it's very different and special and unique because. Okay, so I think that these times are especially unique because we are again we have all that time you know in our hands. And we're finally being forced to look in. Mm-hmm. We're finally being forced to say, how am I doing? Yeah. Right? And so I think that even though there is this um, this idea, I, I am very much into attachment theory and I'm very much into attunement and connection and, and those being basic human needs. But I, I also think there's another side of it that is you have to be with yourself a little bit. You mm-hmm. have to be good with yourself. Yeah. And those two things, the ideal place for me is to be in the middle where you're enjoying some autonomy, but you're also enjoying that partner attunement, right? Yeah. And what's happening right now is that we are spending so much time together right? With our partners. So maybe before we didn't spend enough time together. Yeah. And now there's so much we-ness and so much togetherness that it's hard to, it's hard to feel like there's any sense of novelty, Mm -hmm. especially if you've been in a long-term relationship, you're seeing each other in sweatpants every day. You're hearing each other chew on food every day. Yeah. You're, you know, you're cooking you're just, more. So there's more cleaning. There's more dishes. There's more chores. Right, there's more like right, boring right. shit to talk about. Y- yeah. So we're so domesticated right now because of our situation. You know, in a regular basis, we get to see our partner go out and do their thing yeah. and have their hobby and go out with their friends and go to work. And so that keeps that kind of passion going because we're like, yeah, my partner is this individual with their wants and needs and all of that is really sexy and it's really fun and it kind of keeps things alive. But when we're both at home, you know, just working from home and wearing the same clothes and and, and just always being kind of together, there's not enough space for that novelty, no, right? It's true. But what I, what I want to, like, I guess the message that I want to um, put out there is that that's okay. Mm. it's not okay long term yeah you know that over 20 years yeah forget it you you'll not you're not gonna want to have sex with that person <laughs> there, there's no way but uh, but you know we are in a pandemic right now we're in a situation where we're gonna need a lot of support from each other so if things are a little vanilla right now and yes we're gonna be watching netflix on our sweatpants eating ice cream let that be okay for a little bit yeah. And then when things come back to normal, I don't know what new normal is going to look like, but whenever, you know, things change, there's always going to be an opportunity for novelty. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's also like being like you're saying it's the it's the first time in a long time that we are forced as a society to also feel our feelings. Mm-hmm. And like you can't go for a run necessarily depending on where you live. Or you can't like 
you know, I mean, cool, you can go take a bath, but you can still hear your partner walking around the house. Like, it's not the same disconnect as you no. usually have your coping mechanisms, healthy or unhealthy. Now you have none of them. And so I think, like, sitting with that discomfort is way more challenging than people expected it to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's such a great point. And I think that we also are not, you know, um, getting so like the sort of things we used to look forward to. And I'm at least speaking for myself and for the people that I know, you know, there were there were lots of plans in the future that we used to live our life kind of looking forward to. Yeah. So for instance, for me, it was like, oh, you know, once I'm done with graduate school, I'm going to go to Brazil to see my family. I'm going to go to Canada to see my sister and I'm going to go to Costa Rica to see my mom. So I had all these plans. And at the end of the day, nothing, none of those plans came true. Yeah. And I started and I started noticing how much of my life also is based on, um, you know, even if you were to think of like social media, I'm not a huge social media person, but yeah. if you were to think of social media and think about like the stuff that you see people posting on these like amazing trips and their great pictures and all of that, you're like, yeah, that's what we kind of look forward to, especially during the summer. Yeah. And none of that came true. And so we, we are really having to sort of reevaluate our relationships and think about, have I been looking forward to the right things? Yeah, like redefine where our joy comes from. And like, of course, it's good to like have goals and like, you're like, I'm doing this so that I can do that. But also Absolutely. like how much of like the in-between are you not enjoying for this like one week of life? Like how much of this sucks? For yeah. this one week that can be very easily taken away from you. Like, that, that's what we're noticing. So I think, yeah, like, it's, it, I think the why now question is probably, like, because. Like, because this, like, you know. Because I'm, I'm about to lose my shit. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is real anymore. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's, it's. Mental health has always been a problem, but is becoming a more prevalent topic of conversation. And it's it's changing as a field in general, especially right now, I think. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think a lot of the things that we're seeing now are here to stay. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mm -hmm. think that, you know, I love seeing my clients face to face and I love fostering those relationships. But I do think there's something to be said about the how convenient telehealth is. Yeah. And if people, you know, people don't have to drive an hour to go to my office and like that, they just gain the whole hour of their day. Yeah. So there's something to be said about that. So I think there's a lot of things that we're learning and that the same goes from, for people who are working from home. Yeah. How can we justify asking people to commute to an office five days a week when they've been doing this job for six months from home? Yeah. Right. It would be better for the planet. It yeah. would be better for our quality of life. Yeah. Cheaper. So cheaper. Yeah. So maybe as a society, we need to start moving forward with a few of those ideas and kind of like rethinking the way that we've been living our lives. Right. Absolutely. And also it would change a lot of people's affordability because suddenly you don't have to live in the expensive part of town to, mm -hmm. to like regulate your commute. You can live in quote unquote what we now call the boonies because they're not close to something that you can drive to. But if the driving to no longer matters... Yes, buy the cheap house where you can have the garden that you need as opposed to like living crammed with your family in a place you can't afford because you have to be there because of your job. Like that's on the quality Absolutely. of life side, a huge thing that we're noticing, especially in expensive cities where people have found themselves in quarantine with no room, no place, not nowhere to escape and and like no place to like grow a plant. <laughs> like, just, you know, like, yeah. Have a hobby of some sort that isn't, you know with other people around because we're not allowed to do that <laughs> yeah so I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot about that and I've been encouraging my clients to go through their mourning process and mourn their wedding that they had to cancel and their baby shower that they had to cancel and their graduation that they couldn't have and all of their trips and all of that stuff yes absolutely mourn that you have the right to do that and I'm not going to say it's no big deal it is a huge deal yeah and instead of saying, but I'm going to say, and let's look at how much we've learned from the situation, mm. right? I don't know about you, but I've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of families who are now even more connected than they used to be. 
Yeah. I know that like with my family living abroad, you know, the technology has always been there yeah. and I've always been able to FaceTime with them. That's never been a problem. But now we're doing it so much more. Oh, yeah. If I don't call my mom every day, she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I, not, nothing. I just forgot to call you. <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like now we're actually going through the extra step of instead of I'm going to send them a text or a WhatsApp message, I'm actually going to call them with the camera. Yeah. So I want to I want to see them. You know, because I know like with my grandparents, my grandparents are both in their 80s and. um, Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, you just never know. Yeah. And yeah, I used to take it for granted. Like I can just get on a plane and go see that whenever I want. Yeah. And now I don't know when I when I'm gonna be able to see them again. And so yeah, like let's turn on that camera and I want to see you, you know. Yeah. And it's been such a, a an interesting um, intergenerational experience too, because yeah. my grandparents will turn on their camera and be like super close, where <laughs> right? you can only see their eye, and you're like, Grandpa, just go a little farther from the camera. <laughs> so it's been uh, I think it's been such a great opportunity for us to reconnect with the people who really matter yeah. and you know I've been noticing like I haven't bought clothes for months yeah I haven't you know I haven't worn my watch wedding rings all of that like it, I, I just have not in months yeah so it's just one of those things where you're like I'm really reevaluating the things that are important because I have not shopped forever and I don't miss it um, I haven't, you know, dressed up and all of that. And so it's just really made us, I think, rethink a lot of things that we had been taking for granted. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's such a huge message. And I think it's also completely echoed in the social movements that are happening that everyone and, and you know, like this is sort of like a cynical it can be perceived as a cynical way to look at it. But they're also happening all these movements around the world because people have the time yeah people are paying say, attention there's they're able to say i don't have a fucking job to go to so i'm going to stand here for days on end demanding what i right. actually care about because society is not sort of in a way caging me to my job and my commute and my bills and my blah blah, blah. Right. so it's all coming together as much as like creating this like personal turmoil, but also this like impetus for change and like good change on a personal and systemic level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, I'm really wondering what, you know, I keep trying to focus on, of course, that when I scroll through my social media, what I see is like, people yelling at each other because someone wasn't wearing a mask and like all these like, racist Karen videos that are out there and all that stuff. And I'm like, I really have to keep reminding myself of like, it's not that the world is going crazy. It's that this has always been out there. It's just now coming to the surface. Yeah. So maybe we need all that, all that trash to kind of come up so we can clean it out. Yeah. Yeah. All the trash that we've been ignoring for so long maybe we need that to come up it's very uncomfortable to swim in all that trash yeah but maybe maybe we needed that maybe as as a society we needed all that ugliness yeah we need to be shamed like not the bad shame but the good shame that makes you go maybe i should fucking clean up my backyard you know like right yeah 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 that's that's the hope so after this windstorm of an episode, <laughs> this is my wrap-up question. Yeah. What's a thing that you wish you had known earlier or that wish that's, that you wish someone would have told you? Something that like now you find yourself repeating to yourself that you were like, if I knew this instinctively or if someone told me, it would have changed the course. Like, What's a thing that you want other people to know? Yeah, what a great question. Um, and I can tell you for myself what that is, but I don't think that, you know, it's like, it's the curse of the older, the older people telling the younger people what to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Because yes, of course, like older people have given me amazing advice that I just didn't take because there's something to be said about going through it yourself. Exactly. 
and learning it. So for me, uh, when I look back at my high school times and, and like younger days, even though I, I had amazing experiences, I think that what I would change if I would have known something is that um, you don't have to be so focused on the future. Mm. I have always been so focused on what's next. When I was in high school, I was hyper-focused on academics and thinking about getting into a good university. And once I did get into a good university, I was like, okay, so what's next? What's next? What's, it's always about what's next, right? And I, when I look back, I think like, man, if I wouldn't have been so focused in school, uh, which, you know, being focused in school is great, but yeah. a little bit more of a balance. If I would have been a little bit less stressed out, I could have had even more fun. Yeah. I could have enjoyed my friends even more because now I look back and I'm like, oh, I miss those people so much. Yeah. You know, and the time that we did have together was sort of clouded by this stress that I always had of like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And when I was in, in undergrad, I graduated in, in less than four years because I just was in such a hurry. I don't know what I was in a hurry for. Yeah. I, I really have no idea because now I'm like, I wish I could go back, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like during my, actually during my graduate program, I'm never going to forget this. Um, my, the, the program director uh, sat us down the first day and said, this will go by really, really fast. Before you know it, it'll be over. So just make sure you soak it in and you enjoy this time. And I, I have made a conscious effort mm. to enjoy my time in graduate school um, because I knew it was going to go by fast because I had already learned that. Yeah. And I knew that there was no point in, in worrying about what's next because I wanted to live those two years to the fullest. Mm -hmm. um, and I even had uh, my alarm in the morning. I even changed the label because I had to keep reminding myself, you know, especially as my husband and I weren't even living in the same city. I had to keep reminding myself, this was your dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so when that alarm rings, don't you dare complain <laughs> because you wanted this so bad. Now go out and enjoy it. Yeah. Right. So I think if I could speak to my younger self, I would just tell I would just tell her, like, just enjoy yourself. Just don't worry so much. Yeah. You know, just don't don't think about the future so much. And I and I have to keep telling myself that now because now I'm I'm in this right now thinking like, oh, what's going to happen when I'm licensed? What's going to yeah. happen when the pandemic is over? Like, am I going to have my own practice? I keep, yeah. my brain just keeps running with these questions and I have to keep reminding myself of like, it goes by fast. Yeah. So just live in the moment. Yeah. Right? That's such a good lesson. I love that. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I forgot I was being recorded. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. You didn't have to drink too much of your wine. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really didn't. Thank I you. I mean, you get to now. <laughs> it's like yeah, now I get to finish it. But I really didn't. I was actually, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised with how, how easy it was to talk to you. So thank you so much. And mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. I love the, the subjects that you're thank bringing you. up. And I think this is important. So keep doing it. We're all playing a little bit of a part in this world. So just keep doing yours. You're doing really great. Oh, thank you so much. And for anyone listening, um, you can go check out uh, Andrea's Instagram. It's Andy's Therapy Couch. So A-N-D-I-E-S dot therapy dot couch on Instagram. It's in the description. Go and click away. And that's, that's that. That's it. That was episode 105. Thanks for listening and speak to you next week. Thank <laughs> you.